Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house and you can get 20% off your order and free international shipping. That's Will and I'm Jake. This is episode 92. Tyler Morin of Water Coolest joins the show. They said email died. They said it died. It Uh, has not. And it came right back up, and Tyler's going to kill us for saying this, but with Morning Brew, right, that's the easiest example you can point to of how email actually was still able to reach a lot of consumers that are willing to digest the the right business content and things like that. So uh, Water Coolest, hell of a success story, and Tyler is great today. Yeah, no, great interview with Tyler. Um, appreciate him coming on, but yeah. The Water Coolest, it is a great newsletter. I've been subscribed to them for a little bit and, you know, they provide a lot of great content, a lot of the stuff that, you know, headlines are for the show. So we appreciate him him coming on and, you know, the grind it is in content and, you know, you catch that lucky break after hard work and it shows, it, it pays off. So great, great interview, but let's kick it off with some beers. Yeah, some um, beers. I'll, I'll go first here, hop right into it. I promised last week I would rate some more St. Louis beer. Um, not ideal. The last time around, it was fine. Um, but now I'm happy I'm reviewing something a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to go to Lafayette Square in St. Louis this time. Um, weird. The best way to describe Lafayette Square is like if you put Back Bay into St. Louis – you get Lafayette Square. A lot of cool brownstone houses and townhomes and uh, some really older money uh, down there and some really cool restaurants too. So Square One Brewery and Distillery is right there. It's on that main strip on Park Ave. I got two beers there. Uh, One of them was an IPA that maybe I'll save for another day. It was pretty good, but I alluded to this last week. I want to review the single uh, single malt scotch ale it was a mouthful 5.75 percent uh that's 25 ibus so that is on the lower side for bitterness i'll read the description because it was actually spot on it says smooth rich and full body it is the perfect description for this multi deep copper beer hmm. um yeah i mean they so they took their own scotch and they barreled it with this kind of beer i i haven't had had a back a few years from my last good scotch ale so uh this was a pleasant surprise i am going to give it a three five because my expectations weren't that great um you know it it surprised so the bar was kind of low for st louis beer um I don't know. Like I didn't, I think inherently for me, these red ales and we heavies and scotch ales, they kind of have a ceiling um, yeah. unless you're really knock it out of the park, like with some crazy whiskey or something. You got to be like, it has to be, you know, perfected in order to, for it to compete. Other than that, I've had more bad than good. I, I don't know how a lot I of it's so tough. Like it's so heavy sometimes. Or just comes off the flavor is heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and literally they call it a wee heavy for uh or they call reason. It, yeah. Right. And we heavies, I guess, are scotch in, in nature, but 
yeah, I think there's just a certain area you tap out at. I will say the only thing that prevents me from saying like, yes, I have had more bad Scotch ale than good is the around holiday times you get those red ales with cinnamon and the winter warmers and stuff. Um, who does winter warmer near you? Is it mustache? Mustache. Yes. Theirs is good. Theirs is very good. Moniker has a good winter warmer. Pretty sure that's a red ale. Yes. They had a great one. Uh, we tasted that before it was kegged. How fun. Yeah. Um, site in November. What is it? How long ago was that? That was, uh, yeah. November, October. Damn. A while ago. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so I had a really good scotch. I also had a, a really nice West Coast IPA that I thought was pretty good there. Um, yeah, it probably gets a 3.5 too, but maybe that's for another day. Um, that was square one. I will say food was great. I had, we've talked about food with beer plenty of times. When's the last time you had like a bacon brat burger? That's what I had. And that shit was delicious. Yeah, uh, I mean, that sounds amazing came with i should have got fries i fucked up i got slaw instead the slaw was really good but like oh that's tough washing down bacon and brat with fries and beer is just uh, an american it's just as american as and that's a review and that's a that's a review we're one brewing and distilling in uh, lafayette square in st louis go check them out small place really cool outdoor vibes um good enough beer for me to stick around. Like, I think it's one of those that vibes are good. Beers. All right. Vibes are coming. Vibes are keeping me back. Right. Right. And that's a review. I am going to go to Vermont, Vermont. I have a bunch of Vermont beers after a weekend, um, weekend of drinking up there. Didn't get to stop at long trail but it had a couple of their beers they were obviously very hectic for the fourth of july weekend but long long trail juiced ipa it's a new england hazy uh brewed with idaho seven galaxy and mosaic it's mouthwatery notes of citrus stone fruit orange and tropical fruit that's super smooth and hazy honestly one of the best beers that they they offer i i honestly think and it's pretty readily accessible i'm pretty sure you can get it at you know most craft beer distributors like Nikki's in Providence, no free ads would probably have it, but I was actually very impressed. I was very impressed because they, you know, don't necessarily make a lot of hazy IPAs long trail, surprisingly mm. enough. They're, they're ales, lagers, they have, I mean, they have the IPAs, but this one, this one gave me a, I gave it a four out of five. I was, uh, I was impressed by the color, the, the flavor. It definitely, uh, it stood, it's, it stood out compared to a lot of the other beers that I had. So four out of five for me from Long Trail. Yeah, Long Trail is one of those where everybody thinks, oh, it's New England. It's the master of hazy, thick IPAs that you can chew. But that's that's not really always the case. I mean, they do a really nice West Coast IPA. Um, They do, and they do New England style IPAs. It's just, they don't, they don't haze the shit out of it. No, a lot of people are surprised that it is surprising. It is. It definitely is surprising, but I, um, I was impressed by this one. So good job to long trail, but figure out your tap room. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. Just annoying. I mean, I get it. Everyone's low staffed and you know, it's the 4th of July weekend, but 
figure it out. I'm sorry. I hear you. I hear you. Um, that's long trail. Here you are slinging out a four and then disparaging their, their tap room. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't had a long trail on a, a beer in a while. Um, it's so funny because you go to Vermont and it's like liquid gold, right? And then you go to a place like Connecticut that has it super commoditized and they're just like, oh, I'm not fucking drinking a long trail. That's like, like any time. It, it, it's kind of sucks because heady top are starting to get way over saturated. Yeah. yeah. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's that's not, it used to be the crown jewel. I think we were talking about this when we were uh, talking about Portland. Yeah. And the alchemist alchemist beer is still a good beer, but it has been dethroned. Let's make that very clear. They are no longer the number one craft beer brand in New England and beyond. They're, they're just not. It's that simple. No, no. And I think, I mean, it's nice that you can get it anywhere, but it's not a treat. It's not like the treehouse where you can know it was very rare to get an, uh, a heady topper or a uh, focal banger. You know, it was very hard to get. But now it's every gas station, deli, liquor store, they're all over. Yeah, very, very commoditized, which I don't know. I grapple with if that's good or not. I guess it's depending on what you're trying to do. Like, that's what Two Roads is now to, to people outside of Connecticut. It's like, oh, I could just get a Two Roads, like whatever. It's sort of like, uh, what other brands? Like New Belgium is up there with that, um, where it's sort of like a micro, a quote-unquote microbrew that's mass distributed. Um. I don't know. There's a few others that yeah, like Stone IPA, Goose, shit like that comes to mind. Yeah, Lagunita. Lagunitas is a great one. And they're all great, don't get me wrong, but you just, it's not as special. Yeah, who doesn't love sipping like a like a something easy IPA from, from Lagunitas? <laughs> then again, that also is kind of like um, Sip of Sunshine. Yeah, that got there. That got there too. Well, Lawson's finest liquids, I feel like, still need a sip of sunshine. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, if you ask a random, like, craft beer person off the street, like, oh, who makes sip of sunshine? I would venture to say that 50% don't. That don't? 50% that don't. Like, 50 50 don't. You don't think they know it? I I would say fifty percent of people that you ask that question don't know. Oh, we're we're asking a poll right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say is that egregious of me. I think we like. Do you know who makes sip of sunshine? Oh, do you know who makes sip? Okay. No, not like do they? Not like don't like that they don't know sip of sunshine. It's it's like, do you know who makes it? I say 50-50. Wow. That's just wow. the that's the claim I'm making here. And if that's egregious, then so be it. But we're putting up a poll. I know. We'll we'll come back with the, these results here. Um, and if you know who makes sip of sunshine, please uh, 
forget what I just said in the last minute and tell me. DM us. Damn. Wow. All right. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. Prove me wrong, Twitter and Instagram and wherever else this is going. Uh, let's go to business. Tyler Morin is here. Water Coolest is probably the best way on the market right now. Again, no free ads, uh, Barstool, but it's probably the coolest way on the market to to ingest your business news. You know, there's Morning Brew. There's a few other uh, newsletters that do this really well, but Water Coolest uh, is an excellent source. I know I've loved it since I've subscribed and the creator Tyler Morin is here to guide us through how he created it, getting acquired by Barstool and hitting the ground running in his new capacity there. So here he is, Tyler Morin. All right, everybody, with this this week, after a nice 4th of July weekend, we're joined by Tyler Morin of The Water Coolest, a financial newsletter to talk about all things business. It was recently acquired by Barstool Sports, so we're really excited to uh, have another Barstool employee on to talk some shop and, of course, you know, hear about Tyler's career. But, Tyler, welcome to the show, and uh, how's everything going? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Still a little hungover from, uh, from the fourth, but, but doing well. Getting back into the swing of things. We actually... Technically, I think uh, Barcelona is the week off. I guess that's that's a media thing. Um, but yeah, we're still sending out newsletters. Like Dave says, you know, newsletters, newsletter doesn't sleep. The newsletter does <laughs> not sleep and neither do the market. So yeah. we'll dive all into that. But I mean, the first question, the hard hitting one, uh, some big J journalism. Who is Tyler Morin? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, well, I've, I've been a lot of things. Um, but so I guess, uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm a married dad of one, uh, the most important things, right? I got to get that out of the way. Uh, and I actually have another uh, a daughter on the way. So September, um, I'll be having another kid. Yeah, so that's, that's the exciting kind of family stuff. Um, but yeah, so my day-to-day, um, as you said, I run the Water Coolest, which was recently acquired um, by Barstool Sports. And so I am now technically the head of newsletter, head of newsletter operations over there, trying to figure out what that actually means. Uh, but we are building out a bunch of newsletters um, that I suggest you guys all go sign up for. And then also helping build out Barstool Finance, um, again, trying to figure out what exactly that is. But I actually think that's the really cool thing about Barstool is um, you know, as we were talking about before, there's like, you know, wonton Don, there's so many different things going on over there. And they're really cool about letting you be entrepreneurial um, within the kind of confines of, of Barstool Sports, which is, is really awesome. I'm super excited about. So you're a UConn guy. You from Connecticut, by the way? I am. I am born and raised in Connecticut, went to UConn, which is like about an hour away from where I grew up. So where'd you grow uh, up? I'm a Connecticut guy. Uh, I grew up in Plymouth, Connecticut. I don't even know where Plymouth. Yeah, is. most people are like Plymouth, Massachusetts. No, there's there's no rock and no ocean there. Um, <laughs> but I have been to Plymouth, Mass, and I can say it's probably equally as depressing. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a great oh, place. I just so Plymouth's like near Bristol. All right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. So I, it's like, and now I'm actually I live in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. So I did leave uh, the state for a little while. I was in the city doing the whole, like in my previous life, doing financial services consulting. Uh, so I was there for a couple of years, but now with the kids and stuff, moved back to be closer to family. 
All right. Since you're a Fairfield guy, um, so I grew up in Monroe, right down the road. Um, nice. Are you in or out on Colony Pizza? What's your stance? I am a hundred percent in. Uh, it's one That's of those right like answer. things. I will I will fight you to the death if you don't like it. Um, I actually my so we do like Pizza Friday with my nieces every week, and they do not like Colony, and it just kills me because I eat a ton of pizza, and none of it is Colony. So like for example, last year I. I went there on my birthday because I was like, I just need colony pizza. And it's like the only excuse I, I get to go. So I don't eat it as often as I would like. It's all right. My follow-up question is, are you in or out on colony hot oil pizza? I am a hundred percent in that. Yes. I will also fight someone who says <laughs> colony hot oil pizza. Um, I know you didn't get, just accidentally rewind it. He did. We did just have the same exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I always regret it the next day. I'll tell you that um, about the hot oil, but it is so, so good. Yeah. And I, and I think like Dave, I think it was one of his like highest ranked pizzas on, on the one bite. And for good reason, uh, if people haven't had it before, like it's worth the trip. Um, yeah, it's it's just amazing. It's great pizza. Yeah, Colony is is excellent. Uh, I I also will fight anyone that disagrees. Uh, so I'm glad we're on the same page there. But <laughs> yeah, so so UConn, you did a stint in corporate finance, and then uh, like we were talking about before we hopped on the air today, is content. You're sort of juggling the corporate finance with the content, and then you know uh, we'll, we'll talk about where that led you later. But why? What was it that sort of said? Uh, was it you know the the finance world wasn't doing it for you. Was it just interesting to, you know, how'd you dive into this world? Yeah. So uh, when I went to UConn, um, I wanted to be a journalism major. I always loved writing. I, it, interestingly enough, like I'm, I work, you know, kind of in financial media now, worked in, in financial services consulting. Uh, I was never much of a numbers guy. Always loved writing, um, creative writing, journalism, all that stuff. Wanted to be a journalism major. My parents were like, that's a really stupid idea. You're never going to make any money. Uh, so I went the finance route, which, you know, ended up being, uh, being okay. Uh, and I, you know, I did enjoy it. It was nice to make a little bit of money, have some fun, you know, post-college. Uh, but I always kind of had this, this itch that I wanted to scratch, um, you know, creatively. So I started doing some blogging. Now it's probably about eight years ago, basically, uh, it was something called entryrevel.com. Um, and it basically ripped off Barstool um, in every way possible. It was writing about, you know, relationships and work and, and all that stuff in pretty irreverent way. So pretty much anything a, you know, 25-year-old would write about um, and got a bunch of people, uh, you know, writing along, along with me. So it was basically taking like the Odyssey approach where I was trying to get a bunch of people to write stuff and share on their social media. Um, I will say I was not very good at growing that, uh, but you know, I, it did kind of scratch my itch to get, you know, to get some writing done, do some blogging, which was, which was really cool. And then it actually ended up leading into the water coolest. So I guess, you know, all those years of, of writing blogs that nobody read ended up working out. And yeah, I mean, you, you transitioned perfectly. So the water coolest, obviously it's this newsletter, tell us, you know, what was the aha moment that you're like, I got to build this, I got to create, you know, one, a lot of people would say newsletters are dead, but it's quite the opposite. Newsletters are kind of on this uphill rise again and absolutely exploding. So what is the water coolest and, you know, what it was the goal of growing it, maintaining it, the strategy, all the ins and out of it? Yeah. So, uh, so it kind of came out of, out of the blog. So, 
I, I started talking to, again, not very good at growing the blog. Um, we couldn't really, I didn't really know anything about SEO, you know, again, was a finance guy. So didn't really know how to grow it. Um, so we actually just started sending out the blogs via email. Um, and we realized that that was getting quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of views that was like accounting for most of our views. And that was like, I was sending it to three, 400 friends and family, like basically, you know, went through my Gmail list and, and skimmed whoever I could. And so I started doing that. That idea was kind of, you know, in my brain. And then, you know, as part of the, as part of my job in financial services, uh, I was reading, you know, the Wall Street Journal, CNBC every day. And I was just like, man, this like, this sucks. Like, it's so boring. Um, it's just written for people that don't, talk like me. Um, they're like, this is not the way I would talk to my buddies about this at the bar, that sort of thing. So there were a bunch of these ideas um, kind of bouncing around in my head. And at the same time, like the skim was huge already. The morning brew was getting, getting pretty big. Um, and I actually talked to those guys a little bit. Um, and, and they seemed to be, you know, they wanted to be a little bit more serious. And I wanted to just go like completely irreverent, just be really like the bar stool of finance. And so uh, just kind of started, I don't know, like we just started sending, I spoke to some of the guys that I was doing uh, entry revel with. We came up with this idea. We're like, let's try it. Like it can't be any worse than the blog is right now. Um, and we're, we're gonna spend probably the same amount of time. So started sending them in, it's actually about to go five years. So uh, September 12th is when we started sending it and uh in 2017 and again to like three four hundred people that i got from like my gmail and some other friends of friends um and it really just grew like pretty slowly and then the real kind of big moment where it started to take off was we started to talk to some of these guys on like instagram um like the liquidities and not your father's broker like if it wasn't for those guys, like we would not exist. Um, like I talked to some of them when they still had like 10, 20,000, you know, followers. Now they're like three, 400,000 followers on Instagram, asked them if they could post about it. They did. And that absolutely helped us take off, especially in like the wall street space, which was massive. Like we, we had no intention of going after like wall street or being kind of this, uh, industry journal, but we ended up getting pretty popular in that space. People started to really share it. Um, they appreciated the unique perspective and, you know, one thing led to another and we, we were able to kind of squeeze some money out of it and make a business out of it. Now you found your niche market of like talking about it more on a casual, you know, all of your writings were more casual, obviously informative, but it was yeah. like what we're doing right now, having a conversation. I'm not sitting here, you know, asking you, hello, Tyler, how was your day? You know, you're, you're, we're, we're conversing. Yeah. So was there any, was there ever a time that you had like pushback of, all right, you know, you're talking about some serious stuff. You're talking about the stock market. You're talking about what's going on in the business world, you know, tighten up your tie a little bit and get more polished. Or was it more of a welcoming sense of like, Hey, this is refreshing. I love to hear this more casual conversation about finance. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's always going to be haters, right? Like you yeah. guys, know, like no matter if it ha if we had 300 people reading it or, um, you know, and so actually I had like a mentor pretty early on who told me that basically we weren't going to make it if, if we didn't kind of go on the straight and narrow and be a little bit more vanilla um, and, you know, fuck him. But anyways, he, uh, you know, we, it certainly, it's, we certainly had some people that were, you know, 
that didn't like the route we were going. And like, there's still people that will say things, uh, you know, in the comments section, which everyone tells me not to read, especially now that we're with Barstool. And they're like, why would I trust this guy on Barstool, you know, about finance? And it's like, you don't, you don't have to, but what we're really trying to be is, as you mentioned, uh, like I want to be the slightly more intelligent guy that you want to talk to at the bar about investing or what's going on in markets and, you know, can really help you understand, uh, you know, where to potentially put your money, not necessarily giving you financial advice, but, you know, where, where things are going and, you know, some, some kind of macro ideas um, to get you on the right path. So that's really what we're looking to do is, you know, is kind of take that barstool approach. And that was the idea behind the names, like the water coolest, the water cooler, right? Is so the proverbial place where everyone gathers and kind of talks in the office when people went to the office. And, and that was the general idea behind it was like, how are you going to talk to people like when you're, you know, just at the office kind of bullshitting uh, before you have to go get into your crappy job? Yeah, yeah, hit the nail on the head there. Um, we're just talking about Zayd Admani too, friend of the program, three-time guest, of course. Yeah. Uh, one of our first guests too, like nice. single digit episodes, I'm pretty sure. If not, it was episode, like episode 10. Episode eight. eight. I, hope, yes. I hope he negotiated some equity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, what a, what, he spent like a few hours with us too, because he was just like, oh, it was peak pandemic. He's like, oh, I'm just so bored. I want to learn like a lot about your stuff. Shame on him for not buying in there. Um, yeah, and so now he's got to. Uh, we we're just talking about how he's his college fund for his daughter is probably going to be shit because uh, all the mean coin investments. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but so a guy like him, you know, we were so fascinated because at the time we're like, holy shit, this guy makes it so easy for normal people off the street to understand business, and that's sort of in a way the mold of like this is what successful content creators do in this space now. They just they remove the guesswork, right? So was there any of that for you? Was there any financial like content creators that that you took a page out of their book when you started this up? Or was this 100% trial by fire? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Um, I think what really drove it was like kind of my, my writing style and just the way I talk. Um, that was basically, so I, I've kind of really created the style guide. So it wasn't just me. So I had a couple of other guys. So shout out to AJ, Nick and Ian, who, who helped me get off th this off the ground quite a, quite a few years back. Um, so we created a style guide around it and it was, you know, the basic idea was like one of your choosing a story is it something you would talk around, talk about at the bar, or the water cooler. And the other thing was just, is it, if you read it back, is it something that if you said it aloud, would it sound like you're talking or would it sound like you're reading the wall street journal? Right. So those were literally the two things that like, when we read something, that's how it had to read. Um, so I would say like one, like our, you know, certainly the writing style and like our style kind of drove it. Um, uh, but then there were, you know, a bunch of those people out there. Um, I would say the, you know, the biggest influences early on were certainly like those, those Instagram accounts. Um, they were huge because they were taking something that was so stuffy, like the, um, you know, like, like banking and, uh, you know, consulting, there were some interesting ones there. And they were like really breaking it down and getting to like the nuts and bolts of like the hilarious things about what people do on the, in a day-to-day -day basis. And I really appreciated that. And that's kind of what we wanted to do with, you know, general finance, you know, finance and investing and, and all that stuff. And then I would say, you know, later on, um, certainly just like generally the Wall Street bets movement, um, you know, that was more recent, but, 
just like the approach that that took, you know, not even like the crazy bets that people were taking, but just the way that people were looking at finance. Um, you know, I really, uh, I really kind of looked up to, and then I guess actually earlier on, there were some other guys like, um, I don't know if you guys remember like John Lefebvre, GS Elevator, um, like there were some other guys like Turney Duff who wrote a book. Like I had reached out to all those guys um, and they were just really cool about, you know, uh, again, just kind of breaking down that barrier and, and loosening the tie of, you know, of banking, of finance, and just making it a little bit more approachable. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, I mean, all this hard work, all the research after four years, you get the knock on the door from Barstool. So how did that all play? Was it you were kind of looking for them, they found you, you know, how did this whole acquisition go down? Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. So at the time, it actually ended up working out well, because we, we were thinking about raising money. Um, and we we're kind of getting to the point where it's like, you know, to grow the newsletter, we were doing like the Facebook ads, like to really get to that next level. Um, you know, we need to spend a significant amount of money. And I wish we had done it earlier, like the hustle and the brew, they had done it a little bit earlier, they've raised a couple hundred thousand dollars or about a million dollars, which I think is really all you need to grow something like this pretty quickly if you have good content. Um, and so we tried to do the opposite and just kind of bootstrap it, which um, worked to an extent, but we were quickly realizing if we want to get to the next level, we have to raise. So we went through the whole, um, you know, let's make a deck, let's get it out there, let's talk, start talking to the right people. And so started going through that process. Um, and then at the, a, a few months before that, um, and I don't know if you guys know Large, who now I, I host the family office uh, with, who's just an absolute character, like a legend of Wall Street, a legend of Barstool, um, just a great overall guy. So him and I had done a podcast together, a couple of podcasts together, because he was just a reader of the newsletter, really liked what we were doing. And so I'd hopped on a podcast with him a couple of times to talk about like GameStop, crypto, a few other things. And so what I noticed is when we were um, when we were doing those, he would post about the water coolest in a blog. And we would get like three, 4,000 subs, which was a huge deal for us. And it was totally free. Like I just had to hop on and talk for 20 minutes. Um, and so I was like, man, maybe we should reach out. Like, as we're thinking about like where we're going to put this money to work, you know, when we raise, like, let's reach out to Barstool. So I sent just like, I think it was ads at barstoolsports.com um, an email and said, hey, like, you know, looking to, to spend some money, filled out the Google form. And probably like an hour later, I got a phone call or excuse me, I got an email from someone and they were like, Hey, could you hop on a call? It's like, sure. Like, you know, we'll hop on. It was this guy, Stu. Uh, I was an idiot. Didn't care to look him up on, uh, on, on, uh, LinkedIn at all. I was just like, yeah, whatever. He's probably just an ad sales guy. Like, you know, he's probably 20 years old. We'll talk. So we get on the phone we start talking a couple hours later and he starts asking me all these questions about the business. Like, what my vision is. I'm like, man, this is weird for a, you know, for, for an ad sales call. So as I'm on the phone with him, like 40 minutes into this call, I look him up on, on LinkedIn and I see he's the COO of Barstool. And I'm like, oh shit, like change my tone totally. I'm like, all right, now I need to go into sales mode. Right. So we start talking and basically the phone call ends and he's like, Hey man, we're, we're looking to get into, you know, the, the finance space 
your, you know, your email got sent to me by the sales guys who knew I was looking. Um, let's keep in touch. So <laughs> we certainly kept in touch. So we, we talked, I think, for about eight months before the deal actually got done. And it's kind of funny, like, I think the thing that put it over the edge was actually all the stuff that was going on with Dave and Business Insider, because at one point they were thinking about doing kind of a big launch as I would say a bit of a fuck you to the morning brew, like, hey, we're getting into the space and we're serious about it. Um, interestingly enough, we, we didn't actually go that route, which I think in retrospect, I'm happy about because I don't want to be that brand that's just associated with, you know, with Dave seeking vengeance. Uh, and, and obviously we had been talking for months and months before that. So there was a whole lot that went into it, but I do think that was actually what potentially got it over the finish line. Um, yeah. And so then the deal closed in November of last year, um, and just been trying to kind of figure things out as, as we go. And we've really been ramping up, um, newsletter growth. And again, we launched the family office, which is a podcast where large and I are investing some of our own money. Um, and we're on episode four of that now. We've been doing a bunch of stuff on TikTok. So it's like a little bit of everything. We are like trying to grow almost what, you know, foreplay or, you know, hopefully we end up like Alex Cooper, what Alex Cooper did with Caller Daddy, right? Like we're trying to grow that um, Barstool finance brand within the Barstool ecosystem. And you talk about a guy who's lived many lives. I mean, large, He's been one that I've always, one of my first people that I followed on Barstool, just because like the stories he's had, I used to, when, you know, RIP serious radio, but he was my morning commute with uh, Barstool yeah. breakfast. He was always, I can listen to him for hours, but you bring him to the point of the family office. I mean, the Barstool finance world has always been there, but it's never been there that it is now. You know, you've had the Davy Day trades, you've had larger stories about the stock market, but now yeah. we bring the family office. So what is the goal? What is the mission? What is this fund all about? And tell us how we can listen to more. Yeah. So the idea behind it, um, yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, Large and I wanted an excuse to get on and talk about stocks a little bit more. Um, and so we came up with this idea of why don't we put a little bit of our own money um, on the line. So we pooled five grand together. We put it in a brokerage account. And the goal is, I don't know, is this going to, are we going to be able to see this? Is there a video to this or is this yeah. a podcast? Well, right. so, yep. so you'll see right behind me, uh, we have a 44% here and that's our goal. So our annual goal is to hit 40, 44% gains. The reason we chose that is because in 2019, that was how much Warren Buffett made on his investments. And we want to prove basically that, you know, two fairly average investors, um, you know, we, we both kind of worked on Wall Street or tangential to Wall Street, but, you know, from a, uh, you know, kind of personal investing perspective that anybody can kind of play with the big boys. Um, and of course, you know, we want to take the, um, you know, the stuffiness out of it and make it super easy to understand. Like we want to break down all the terms, you know, let people know, you know, why you should be, you know, why you should uh, be bullish on something, you know, why you should be um, excited about to get into a certain stock um, and just take people through our thought process. So, you know, our goal is, you know, one, to entertain because that's, you know, the bottom line for Barstool in general. And then two, you know, to, to help people uh, understand the markets a little bit better in a really, really simple way. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I've admittedly, I got to catch myself up a little bit more. That's, uh, 
That's interesting stuff. Uh, I will be, and we'll give you the opportunity to plug, uh, to plug where uh, listeners and consumers can find uh, a lot of that stuff and uh, all the content soon as well, but uh, running out of time here. So we'll go rapid fire for the outside world. Um, let's start with something we ask every guest and that's, is Elon Musk actually going to buy Twitter? Um, I hate to take, cause I heard Zane actually said the same thing. I was just listening to his podcast with you guys, but I, I agree with him. I think he's going to close on it in 2022. And I actually just wrote a blog about this. So I, maybe I actually said it first before Zane, uh, calling him <laughs> out. uh, we need to have a TikTok off or something. And, uh, I do think Elon is going to close. I think he will pay less than the 5420 per share, but I also hope that he keeps it like. I don't know, like there's a 69 or a 420 worked in there somewhere. Oh, 100%. It's, it's, it's good for content. Yeah. <laughs> well, we always, because it's like at one point of, you know, the podcast a couple months ago, like the business world was kind of in like, uh, you know, the upside down. There wasn't much going on or there was, but Elon Musk was just louder than everybody else. So it's like, yeah. okay, you know, is this, it was like at one point, it was like the dominoes flew down so much that it was just like, Elon was the headline and he knows what he's doing. I mean, the guy knows how to, you know, make a name and one tweet can blow up the world. Uh, like recently, like I didn't know how old his sons were that he was just chilling with the Pope. Yeah. I, I'd never seen a picture of his kids. Like I know he has a bunch of them. He has like a whole brood, but I had no idea like what they looked like. They all actually look a lot like him. So yeah, they do. <laughs> they, all, they honestly had that like weird kind of like obnoxious look on their face. Like Elon does. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I know exactly. Like some of the way they were standing, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm not a super religious guy, but I think maybe be a little more respectful around the Pope, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's the leader of the Catholic world. Like ever. he's the closest thing on this earth to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so the next one, I mean, obviously you're heavily involved with the fund and, you know, we'll let you plug away on like what strategy and what things are going on with that. But are we in or out on crypto? Um, I, I'm in on the idea of crypto. I'm not invested in any right now. Actually, I lied. Personally, uh, I do have some, I own some Bitcoin um, just in a small kind of YOLO account. Uh, and I don't have any in the family office fund right now. I don't know. I, it's, it makes me a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm sure it'll go back up. I think the, the fact that institutions are, are getting behind it in a big way, and I don't mean like all the institutions that are, filing for bankruptcy right now, but I mean like the Morgan Stanley's of the world, the Goldman's of the world. Um, I think that says a lot about it. And the fact that they've gotten behind Bitcoin, um, I think, you know, means something. So I do think that there's going to be something there. Um, but right now it's just a little too volatile for my blood. Is there any company or any stock that you are fully like a hundred percent? Yes. I love this that's kind of obscure or the same for the opposite? Like, is there any company that you will never invest another diamond? Um, so I actually just bought this this morning and this is this is a large pick. We talked about it on the family office. Uh, this is the first stock that he's actually picked. So let's see how it goes. Uh, WD40, uh, basically, basically oh. the I, I didn't even know that they traded. I figured they were owned by somebody bigger um, but he mentioned them and I looked into it a little bit. The, the general, they, so they actually report tomorrow. I don't know when this podcast drops, um, but they report on Thursday, the 7th. Um, so I just bought a little bit of them. 
um, large thinks that they're going to have a good earnings report. And we do like the idea that they are basically the, you know, the Kleenex or the Band-Aid of, you know, the, the hardware store, right? So when you think like, I need to go get some, some lube or some spray, right? You're thinking WD-40. You're not thinking like Acme generic brand. So I don't know, maybe the idea, uh, the other idea, right, is that people need to continue buying this stuff, no matter if there's a recession or not, like your door is still going to be squeaky and it's, and it's going to annoy you just as much whether you have a job or not. So that's, that's the general thesis behind it. So we'll see how it goes right now. I'd say it's a trade. We're hoping to, you know, to make a little money off of it. Um, I think it popped 13% after its last earnings report. Um, so we're, we're hoping for some more of the same. Um, but again, as I always say, if, if the trade goes haywire, then it becomes an investment. That definitely just unlocked a core memory of any time helping my dad being like, grab the WD-40. And it's like, okay. right. It's like WD-40 and duct tape. But I yeah. don't think there's like an equivalent company of duct tape. There's too many generic brands. So I think WD-40 is is where it's at. And if, if you want like a pick and shovel trade, try to find out like who makes that little red tube that goes into it. (laughs) True. That's a good call. That's the deep dive. That's the deep dive. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Tyler, this has been awesome. We appreciate the time, you know, the floor is yours to plug away where people can sign up for the newsletter, where they can find your content and how they can follow along with the family office. Yeah. So on, I appreciate guys. Um, And so on social media, um, at Barstool Finance for pretty much everything. Um, building out, again, the, the TikTok, but we have a bunch of stuff going on over on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then on YouTube, you can search for the family office or you can take a look at the Barstool Finance page. We have all our stuff posted on there. And then me personally, it's at JP Morin Chase uh, across Instagram, Twitter, everything. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate the time, you guys. This was awesome. And, and hopefully uh, I can be a recurring guest too. Hey, that's, uh, <laughs> we hold it to a high standard, but you know, we got you. This, this is good. This is good when, stuff. When WD-40 pops off tomorrow, we'll be like, that's I know that's, that'll be the, the determining factor if, uh, if I make you guys some money on WD-40 or not. Yeah, that's, I, I love it. Yes. Um, I'm going to go get some WD-40. Yeah. <laughs> for my door and for my portfolio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unreal. Tyler Morin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tyler, thanks a bunch, man. We will hear from you soon. And let's get rich off some common household products. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks, guys. And that was just Tyler Morin of the Water Coolest, Barstool Sports, Barstool Finance. Uh, We appreciate him coming on. Definitely go check out the newsletter, subscribe, check out the family office. We're excited to follow along that. 44% is the return. Let them beat out Warren Buffett. Let the casual investors, I mean, they both have a ton of knowledge, so they're more than just the casual investor, but not the big guns like Warren Buffett. Let them get that 44% return and uh, take on some coin, but great chatting it up with Tyler. And we'll head over to the ball segment, which is presented by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house for 20% off. Get all of your tools, grooming products. The Lawnmower 4.0 is one of our favorite Um, They have traveling cases, boxer briefs, you name it. It's a great gift, great way to clean up for the summer. So go to manscaped.com slash house for 20% off and free shipping. Before we go uh, dive real deep into balls, just uh, to close out on Tyler, WD-40 is trending very well heading into the time of the episode drop. You love to see it. 
you really do love to see it. Their, their squeaky doors. Um, uh, you, you really love to see that stuff. Um, balls. Baker Mayfield has found a home. He's going to the Carolina Panthers. He was traded by the Cleveland Browns. Like we were going this way. Of time, and here we are. Uh, the three three quarterback competitors in Carolina right now. It's the rookie Matt Corral or Coral or however you say his name, and then Darnold and then Baker. Um, the instant reaction here is that Baker will. I'm going to say it. I think he's the starting quarterback week one. You have to be right. You have to be. It's one of those things where you know. The Panthers missed out on quarterbacks the year prior. So they traded for Sam Darnold, who, you know what? I was rooting for in Carolina. I was rooting for Sam Darnold to turn it around, get it going. You know, he was stuck on the Jets. It was very unfortunate. You know, hopefully that he was going to make a case. And he had weapons around him. It did not work out. But then the Panthers draft Matt Corral. Obviously, he's not game ready tomorrow. He might not be game ready in a couple of years, but it is an option. So it was definitely interesting when they missed out on quarterbacks last year, tried Sam Darnold, didn't work out, drafted a quarterback. They also missed out on quarterbacks this year. They missed out on uh, Matt Ryan. They missed out on Deshaun Watson, which, you know what, blessing in disguise. But you trade for Baker Mayfield, he has to be your starter. And, you know, a little hashtag NFL rigged. The schedules already came out. Panthers and Browns are playing each other week one. Uh, but I think that was like well a thing before. Like people were talking about that, what you just said, like months ago. And everyone's like, oh, bigger or not months ago, but a couple of weeks ago when the schedule came out. So I do have to ask you, though. Panthers, we're thinking Baker is the starting quarterback. Who's the starting quarterback of the Browns? It's probably going to be Jacoby Brissett. It's probably going to be him. I I think Watson's going to – I think he's going to start. I do. Really? I think that since the Browns traded for him, I just feel like there's something brewing. Um, that if – you know, even if that happens, um, they are going to fight that hard. And I – simply cannot say with confidence that like, I don't think, I don't, I just think they're going to trot him out there. I think they're going to say like, Hey, you, you've suspended this guy for too long. You're either going to, you know, serve him with what we quote, quote unquote, real allegations, which I mean, they're pretty damning right now. If you look at all the transcripts and shit or you let this guy play, right. You either reach a verdict or you let him play basically. And I don't know. I feel like there's just more of an appetite we'll see that that that's my bold take yeah that's my bold take uh baker baker starts for the panthers watson starts for carolina done it'll be a big revenge game so or i just said carolina and cleveland but yeah. yeah big revenge game definitely one that Everyone will be talking about weeks to come. Um, but, I mean, you know, the Panthers do have some weapons. You got Christian McCaffrey and you got 
Robbie Anderson and a couple other receivers over there. So who knows? Who knows? Poor Darnold. Yeah, the Panthers are one of those teams where, (laughs) I mean, they're nowhere near to compete. So just hold it over till uh, Corral's ready. The Panthers' depth chart is kind of mid. I mean, what the fuck are you going to do with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? They're not bad. Anderson's good. Moore? DJ Moore is, I think, better than Anderson. I I guess. Like, what are you going to do with them? Not much. I mean, he received for – yeah, Moore had a decent year last year. That was pretty good. But, like, I don't know. How many touchdowns? He didn't catch for a single touchdown. Um, what did he do rushing? Nothing. So, yeah, a deep throw. I, I don't really know too much about – wow, they really lost their last five games. Yeah. Two of them to Tampa. That fucking sucks. Yeah. I just, yeah, they're far. This team is far out. You know what? RIP uh, PJ Walker's career, too. I think he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably land somewhere, but I mean, they never really gave him a chance. And when he came in, he didn't really compete. So it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, he objectively sucked, but that would have been cool. Like everybody, when he trotted in, everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, the XFL guy, PJ Walker. It would have been a sick story. Yep. But, uh, alas, uh, yeah, th- this team sucks. Rashard Higgins, they just picked up. Chuba Hubbard. It's a tough division, too. They're starting Tommy Tremble at tight end. And that, like, listen, I think Tommy Tremble was a decent rookie last year. They're starting him? That's, uh, it's, I pray for this offense. And I, I don't think they're, uh, their line is any good. I mean, they got uh, Iggy Aquanu from um, in the first round this year from NC State, but I think they just need way more help than they've got. Panthers bottom bottom third NFL finish this year, easily, easily. Now we just talked a lot of football. Before we get to baseball, breaking news. Oh shit! <laughs> Joey Gallo just hit a home run. back to back belly to belly with josh donaldson top of the sixth that is pretty cool um joey gallo to raise his his season average to 168 (laughs) 10 home runs this we call this man our king i want glenn otto back yeah no glenn otto that's a tough one to swallow but hey joey gallo string along in the next Seven games, eight games, two or three more, two or three or more, two or three English, two or three home runs, four or five hits, and just get on base. You'll fucking be perfect to trade for Ben Attendi or Ian Happ or Blake Snell or David Robertson. Goodbye. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? Next year, when he signs to a team, maybe he comes back to the Yankees. Maybe it's an inside agreement, handshake deal. The shift will be banned and it'll fix his problem. But until now, I don't want until now. Adios. Adios. Goodbye. That's my Joey Gallo rant. Goodbye is right. 
I'll, I'll hold the door open for him when he leaves for sure. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to baseball in a quick second here. We'll talk about the big 10 real quick. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, this is awesome for the big 10, but like, how did the pac 12 fumble this? I don't get it. Um, I am very big 10, like team big 10 on this one. Because why not just create this empire of a conference if you can do it the right way? Um, you just added two of the most storied college programs in many sports, many of them. Basketball, football, mm-hmm. baseball, gymnastics, all this random shit. Th- these are the best programs or historically have been at what they do. This is a massive win for the Big Ten. So explain to everyone what is going on, because I'm actually not even fully aware of, like, because now, like, obviously the teams left the Pac-12, but now are they talking about a partnership, the ACC and the Pac-12? I don't know what they're doing. That, that would be news to me. Wait, ACC and the Pac-12 are discussing, well, a TV partnership. Oh. But. Yeah, that's just ESPN. Yeah, bag fumbled. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, though, for, you know, basketball per se. Like, you're adding two great programs where, you know, how many big league is this? What are they going to call it? They're going to call it still the big the big 12, but. How many bid league is this going to be for the Big 12? I don't know what this means for the big, like, how many, is this going to be 16 teams for uh, 14 for the Big 10? Wait, hold on. Let me see. So let's fire up good old uh, Ken Palm here. Go to Big Ten. Oh, Big Ten, sorry. Honest mistake. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, there were 14 teams. It's gonna be 16. Yeah. 16 teams. And I mean, these are some oh, it's so weird. The whole vexing thing between like, you know, is the big 10 mid, or is it the best conference in the in the league? Because you have these teams that, like, I'm going down the list. Illinois, knocked out in the Sweet 16, right? Um, Or maybe even before. Wisconsin, knocked out in the second round. Purdue, knocked out by St. Pete's. Iowa, knocked out by Richmond in the first round. I don't know what happened to Ohio State. Rutgers, knocked out in the first four. Michigan actually went on a run. They went to the Sweet 16. Everybody, I was the biggest Michigan doubter, and oh, did they prove me wrong. Oh. Um, I mean, it definitely hurts teams like Rutgers and Maryland. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, Michigan State was a seventh seed. Indiana, I think, lost their playing game, or did they win that one? I think they might have lost to Wyoming. No, they beat Wyoming, and then they they lost to that's right that smc beat him um but look at how sharply this league drops off after that maryland northwestern penn state minnesota nebraska the gap is too big in basketball for that kind of shit now that's just basketball right but what are most of the eyes on here 
Yeah, that and football, which Big Ten football is really freaking good too. But I mean, it's still Ohio State and Michigan's league to lose, but yeah, interesting. I don't know. So yeah, so you asked basically to explain what the hell's going on for the for the casual viewer. Um, teams are packing up their bags from their conferences and leaving. That's all. Um, but yeah, the, there was a good, there was a good uh, argument, I guess, posed by somebody on Twitter, and it was they, everybody's talking about, oh, you know, these LA, this big time LA teams aren't going to want to come into, you know, uh, Penn State and go play them because it's the middle of nowhere. And someone clapped back. They're like, oh, how about miss me with that? Like, how are all these other random teams going to come and in, in, into empty stadiums in LA? which I thought was funny. I mean, true, true. And Penn state. Yeah. It's in Pennsylvania, but they have a, the death Valley. Yeah. That's fucking enormous. That's the best. Uh, what do you mean? Sport. That's like 110,000 fans running deep. Yeah. It's crazy. It's best football school from a fan perspective. Hot sure. take, hot take California fans. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, great move by the Big Ten. I don't know how this impacts the rest of the league. I, I'm sort of out. I need to think. Uh, need to think on that more. Yeah, we'll revisit come college hoops and football season. Yes, we will. So that's uh, that's the hellhole going on, and it, it's it's nuts. This conference realignment stuff. Um, All Star Game is next week. The starters are going to come out on Friday. So probably a good idea to share our all-star ballots now and then we will wrap the show up um you published yours on our instagram a couple days ago uh, i did not but we'll go we go nl first um do you want to go i guess we could do like let's do the infield first so that we're just not repeating the same shit catcher <clears throat> through sh- like shortstop slash third base all right, so I got Wilson Contreras as catcher. I got Paul Goldschmidt at first. I have Jazz at second, but he's hurt, so I'm still going to put him in. I got Machado at third, and I got Trey, Trey, Trey Turner at short. Mine was pretty close to that. I took Contreras, number one, just because I feel so bad for him on the Cubs. Like, they're treating him like garbage. Um, they're going to build around him. You think so? They would have traded him last year if they're gonna if they weren't. I think they're I think they just got cold feet, but I think they need to build around somebody else. I hate to first of all, here's how here's my blueprint for fixing the Cubs. Number one, David Ross. I think you gotta let him go. I think you gotta say goodbye. A uh, little too early for him, in my opinion. I, I love him. I think he was a great Chicago Cub. I just think it was too early. We talked about this a while ago on you know, can you manage a team? of players that you used to play with. I don't know. I think it's too early. I think he's like less than 50 years old and he's managing guys that he played with. Like he probably mentored Contreras. Right. So I don't know. You got to get rid of him and then you have to get the Ricketts to sell the fucking team (laughs) there. I cannot stand the Ricketts. I was a big fan of them before. I think they had their heads so far up their ass. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, Got to get rid of them. Got to get rid of them both. Yeah. Where I, I, I don't think the second one will happen, but they can control Ross. Maybe bring it back. Give him a couple years off. Bring him back. 
That's my hot take. Yeah, um, you gotta. I guess if you're not, you know, building around Contreras and you trade him, you're building around uh, Saya Suzuki and Patrick Wisdom. Well, Wisdom's old. That's the only thing. So you're building. I would say you're more building around a guy like Nico Horner. Yeah, Wisdom is old, but he only just got into the league. Yeah, Wisdom and uh, Frank Schwindel. Yeah, both thirty. But guess who was fucking blocking him? Bryant and Rizzo this whole time. That is true. So I think, yes, Wisdom's good. I think Schwindel has been pretty good as well. But I think you're building around it's such a weirdly, It's weirdly constructed roster because you have like Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, Andre, yeah. um, Andrelton Simmons, and Jan Gomes. And Marcus know, Gomes is on that team. And then they're pitching. I mean, all these guys are on the IL right now, but Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, Wade Miley, Drew Smiley, David Robertson, like that's a- actually not a bad rotation. Yeah. And then you've got like a guy like Keegan Thompson who's tearing it up this year. It's a weird, it's a weirdly constructed roster, but they're not out of it. You know, if you really if you look at the <laughs> but they're not in it. <laughs> they're not in it, but they're not out of it. I mean, they're 34 and 48, 12 games back from the Brewers in the NL Central, but they're three games back from the Cardinals. That's it. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I read that wrong. They're nine games back from the Cardinals. Never mind. Yeah. What are they? They're. Yeah. I mean, they're 12 games back of the wild card spot. Nine and a half from the last one. I don't know. I mean, they should sell. They should sell, and yeah, Yankees should, should definitely take Ian Happ and David Robertson. And if you want to throw in Contreras, if you really want to. He feels so inclined. We'd love we'll to have him. him. We'll and that him. means Higgy's ass is so far gone. I'm sorry. Which is fine. I don't care. Derek Cole's Jose a Tre- fucking conniption. Jose Trevino is the fucking man. I know. I, but Wilson Contreras won't be part of it. I would much rather have Contreras than Jose Trevino. Yeah, but we're yeah. talking about him starting the All Star game. We're like, nah, Trevino's good. Like, so that being said, uh, just to jump over to the AL real quick, I did vote for Trevino as my starting catcher, but I'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so I took Contreras. Um, Alonzo, I just think Pete Alonzo at first is just, uh, he was my pick. I think that he is just. Sure. The disrespect to Goldie. Yep. Goldie's playing lights out. He he is. I, I know he's. But the all-star votes, like, you don't necessarily pick the best player. You just pick who you want there. Fair. So, Fair. I, I want to I see Alonzo there. Uh, you like Jazz at second base. Easy. Obviously. Machado at third. Uh, Dansby Swanson at short, actually. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's that. And then what do you got for outfield? DH and then outfield. I'll go Harper at DH, uh, tearing it up again. Outfield, I took Mookie, Juan Soto, and Jock, Jock Peterson. Yeah, the only one I have is, um, which I don't agree with, but I knew – and I explained this on uh, Wova Wonder Boys. I put Acuna because, I mean, he he gained the auto start, which I think is kind of bullshit. One, yes. the all star, the all star competition is a midsummer classic, so it's only 
based off the, the best half, like last year, Bryce Harper wasn't an all-star, but he won the MVP, you know? So Acuna only has played half of half a season, but because it's a popularity contest, he got the auto lock of the start. So I couldn't, to be mo- the most accurate ballot possible, I had to throw in Acuna. Yeah, I hear you. Acuna's been good, been really good. Um, yeah. So I think is that the, did you? Is that sort of your? Go ahead. Yeah, I had the same other three. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the best way we can go. Uh, I'm, I'm Tony Gonsolin's going to be my starter too. Gun to my head, Los Angeles Dodgers, the free swinging mullet pitcher. He's been pretty good. And uh, he, to my knowledge, was a reliever last year. He was. He was. So 10 and 0, 77 strikeouts, 1.54 ERA, 0.82 whip. Um, I would have him right behind him, though, right behind him. And I wish his resume was a little better because he is electric. Corbin Burns of the Brewers. Yeah, uh, I was 124 strikeouts, 2.36 ERA, 0.92 whip. Um, he's very good. But Tony Gosselin, he was, you know, he is the NL version of what Martin Perez and Nestor were, this random dude that's kind of just blossomed. And I hope he uh, gets the start and I hope he gets some nods for or even wins the uh, Cy Young. I, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's realistic. Also, um, actually, another guy would be in, intriguing. Um, Marlins pitcher, Sandy Al- um, Alcantara. Oh, yeah. Alcantara. He's, uh, yeah. Nine and three, 107 strikeouts, 1.82 ERA, 0.91 whip. Didn't he, was it him that no hit someone, but they had to win it in the bottom of the ninth? I think so. I'm not sure. Crazy shit, man. Yeah. All right. AL. AL. I picked Trevino as a catcher because fuck it. Um, same with Rizzo at first because also fuck it. Um, I think I uh, I said Matt Carpenter was my favorite player in the league a couple of years ago. I I like yeah, it's fine, but it's still Rizzo. Um, whatever. <laughs> um, I picked Story at second because I think he turned it around pretty well. And why not throw a fucking Red Sox in there, make our small state big takes guys happy. Um, tough one at third. You can go Devers. You can go elsewhere. I chose J-Ram. Jose Ramirez is my third baseman. Um, you just got the bag, too. And Bichette's yeah. my fourth stop. Um, so I have... Ty France at first. He's injured, so it'll probably go to Vlad, but I had Ty France. I had Jose at second. I had Jose Altuve. Sorry. Jose oh. Altuve at second. I had Jose Ramirez at third as well, but I, I am leaning more towards Rafael Devers now that this ballot's, you know, two weeks old. Yeah. Um, I have Tim Anderson at short. And my catcher, I put Alejandro Kirk. I want to put Trevino. He's a better defender, but uh, Alejandro Kirk's numbers, especially the past couple of weeks, he's batting over 300. He's barreling the ball. Um, you know, I'll give that because I was also very anti this American League ballot because of how many Blue Jays were up there in the initial voting. It was oh. insane. 
it was insane. At one point, like the Blue Jays were the fourth place team in the AL East. They should not have had everyone in the top three. It was ridiculous. So yeah, that was fucked up. I was not a huge fan of that. It's like the fact that the Yankees don't have, like, if anything, you know, we'll get to the outfield, obviously, but Trevino, Anthony Rizzo, and, um, you know, their pitching will probably get in, but Judge Stannon, uh, you can even make a case for DJ because of his versatility, but, you know, they, they definitely should have been leading the case for the best team in baseball by miles and not get that much recognition. So that's taken. I might even try to be biased as a Yankees fan. It's just, I hear you. Yeah. Um, I have a, so for the DH, I have a theory or a principle that I try to live by. As long as Otani is in contention, I will vote for him wherever he is. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get in. Of course. I mean, it, this is – and they talked about this on Small State Big Take the other day too. This is – it is amazing to know that he is the miles better than Babe Ruth and we are watching it with our own two eyes. Yeah. yeah. Like, they said Babe Ruth was the best of all time. This dude is so much better than Babe Ruth. And I, I really don't care who I'm pissing off by saying that. It's – what he's doing is incredible, and it will be very, very intriguing to see where he ends up. I do not think it will be an angel the rest of his life. I think his journey, even right now – I think his journey ends in Cooperstown. Yeah. 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 So I agree with you hundred percent on that. I did choose Jordan though. Oh, I know. I know because it's one of those things where I appreciate the game of baseball and my biggest gripe with baseball voting and stuff Mike Trout gets the MVP. How many MVPs does Mike Trout have? Uh, I will tell you. Mike Trout MVP. Three? Uh, four. Four. Okay. There were some times where Mike Trout played half the year and was ranked, rated second or third in MVP voting. Oh, no, he's got three. He's got three. He's got three. Mike Trout's obviously one of the best players ever, okay? And Otani is going to be one of the best players ever. That does not mean that they should be defaulted all-star starter and MVP every single time. Because I know for a fact at the end of this year, and if Judge stays on this pace, Aaron Judge is the MVP, okay? Aaron Judge is the MVP. Otani will be second. And it's like, when does it get to a point where it's like you need to just make an an Otani award? You know, the game's most special player or – fan favorite vote or something. So that's why I think Otani will make the all-star game. I do not think he should be a starter. He was not at the pace he was last year where it's like, oh shit, he was batting at an incredible pace and pitching. Now, granted, like he's hitting two home runs and throwing 13 strikes, but then the next day is a dud. It's very wishy-washy. So yeah, that's my rant. I I get it. I You have to be conscious of, you know, when I agree, when does it become an Otani award? But I want this kid to stay like shine on this stage for as long as it takes. Like, I don't, I honestly don't care if that's what happens. Um, and he, I don't know. And that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know where 
his career goes, like you said, but I, I am so here for all of it. Um, for the outfield, I went Judge, Stanton, and Trout. That's what I, I have. Can. That's what I have. John Carlos Stanton finally having the year that is – like, if he can just do this, great. That's what we're paying him for. Excellent. If he can hit 40 homers a year, awesome. I'm so in on that. And it looks like he's going to shatter that. We are witnessing something special with this team, and we keep saying it every week, but we finally have Judge and Stanton cruising, and when they're on point, Judge and center, Stanton and right, them batting like crazy, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be fireworks. I agree. I would most certainly agree. I'm trying to find Stanton. All right, he's 20 homers, 53 RBIs. Okay, cool. He's in 241. What? Whatever. Okay. That's, I mean, take it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's going to start on the bump for you in the AL? Um, as much as I'd love Nestor, um, I think it would either be Verlander or McClan- McClanahan. Mm. So that's my take. I'm going to – I'm going to cast my vote for Alec Manoa, actually, uh, yeah. from Toronto. He's going to uh, – Pretty impressive 233 ERA, nine and three, uh, sub one whip, 0.98. Um, it's been excellent this year, uh, overshadowed and by McClanahan to an extent. So I just threw my threw his name in the ring. Um, and that's that's the ballot. We'll see what happens. Obviously, there's going to be like we filtered it down enough to to figure out like to make educated guesses on who's going to be where. So yeah, we just wait. I think um, I actually saw. So the finalist right now, let me see. So this is if voting ended today. Uh, Where was it? I just saw it. Okay. So voting ended today. It'd be for the NL Paul Goldschmidt, Jazz, Manny Machado, Dansby Swanson, uh, Dansby Swanson, Wilson Contreras, Acuna, Mookie, Jock, and Bryce. And then for the American League, it'd be Vladdy, Jose Altuve, Rafael Devers, Tim Anderson, Alejandro Kirk, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Shohei Otani. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is all very close. It is kind of wild that – let me – what's the – like the Mets are 50 and 31, second-best team in the National League, no one on the starting roster. Same with the Brewers, who are, you know, 47 and 37, third in the National League, no one on the starting roster. And same on the other side, if you think about it with the AL, no one from the Twins – we're third with 47 to 38. It's mm. a good point. And then you've got like Miggy, who's on one of the dead last tigers that's in contention for the DH one. <laughs> well, not really in contention. He's, he's a little bit far off, but he was still racking up votes. I wonder if they'll ever trade him. Well, Miggy, I doubt it. I, I don't think they will. I don't think there's a universe that they get rid of him. Yeah. What is he worth right now? 
veteran leadership. Put asses in the seats. I mean, he's not like at his level. He was. If a if a contender need like last year when the Dodgers picked up Pujols after the Angels DFA'd him. Yeah, they didn't need to do that. <laughs> he, hey, he went off. Yes, he did. And he played a little first, which he hasn't played in years. So who knows? Maybe a, t- a contender needs an insurance bat slash third baseman. He's not playing third. Matt Carpenter's playing in right today. Yeah, but Matt Carpenter's not like 6'2", like 300 pounds. Yeah, that's true, but he's 39 years old. How old? Or uh, what's what's Miggy's deal? What's a, what are what are his dimensions? Do you want to guess how big Miggy is? Probably six six two two fifty. He's six four two seventy. Damn. He's not fucking playing third. No, he definitely is lost. That's I feel like that's inaccurate. <laughs> this is baseball reference. You want to call baseball reference inaccurate? Then I'll I will let you do your thing. He's also hitting 308 this year. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. He's hitting 308. What? No. Way. I was going to say, like, what did he do playing five games? But he's playing 70 games. Like, he's got 77 hits and 250 RB uh, at bats. That would be something else. Seven doubles. Three runs, 28 RBIs, 18 runs scored, 308 average. No kidding. Maybe he deserves it. Maybe people do want him. I take back everything I just said to you. Wow. Is he on pace for – oh, I was going to say, is his best batting year. Forgot that he was literally in contention for the Triple Crown almost every year. He gets on pace, though. That's like – I would want that instead of another swing and miss guy. How many strikeouts does this dude have? 68? All right. It's kind of a lot for this point of the year. Wow. Huh. Yeah, he's on pace to strikeout. He's on pace to set a career high in strikeouts right now, too. <laughs> well, 3 0 average is still pretty sick. Yes, it is. He's got to get through at least 10 homers because that's what he hit last year. Oh, he stole a base last year. No way. Uh, One stolen base. Wow, we were wrong. Boy, were we. We were wrong. Oh, no, he didn't steal a base last year. It was the year before. I got a little crazy there. What's the most stolen bases Miggy's ever had in a year off the dome? I got it right in front of me. Seven. Nine. Close. Bonus if you guess what year it was. 2007. 2006. So close. Was that uh, – he was still a Marlin? Yes, he was. Until, People forget. Uh, World Series champ. Yeah, really sucks. His rookie year. You know who his coach was? Uh, Which – what, the, the manager? Yeah. Was it not Jack McKee? Oh, it was Girardi. Girardi. Because that's when Girardi won the World Series and won Manager of the Year, and the Marlins let him go. Yeah, one was uh, 04. No, they won in 03 that year. Um, 
You know what it was? He won the manager of the year. He was not the manager at this point. He was still playing for the Cardinals. He didn't manage the World Series win? No. It was the year after. He got there in 2006. Okay, but he did win manager of the year and then got let go. That did happen, yes. He won manager of the year in 2006. I was wrong. They fired him. Um, that was part of that big – like the next five years after for the Marlins were wild because they moved to Miami. They hired Ozzie Guillen. They made that whole – that was supposed to be the super team. It was like Jose Reyes. Um, I can't even name you anybody else that was supposed to be – I mean, I guess uh, – Stanton, no, Stanton, I guess. Oh. Is that team, the, the young Marlins were like Real Muto, Stanton, um, uh, who's on the Brewers? Christian Yelich, Diedrich, Jose Fernandez, RIP. Um, what was that squad? Like, was it 2017 Marlins? Oh, no, I'm talking earlier, 2012. No, I know. Well, all right. So 2017 Marlins had Real Muto, Justin Bohr, D. Strange oh, yeah. Borden, Miguel Rojas, Derek Dietrich, Marcelo Zunia, Christian Yelich, John Carlos Stanton, Ichiro. Um, but you're thinking what, 2012 Marlins? 2012. Let me see who was on that squad. Um, so that was Hanley. Omar Stanton was on that. Yeah. Omar and Fonte. Yep. Um, Carlos Lee was fucking good. Yeah. Lomo was supposed to be second coming of Jesus. That didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Logan Morrison. Uh, who else of note? They had a good rotation. It was Mark Burley, Ricky Nolasco, Josh Johnson, who slung that shit. Carlos Zambrano, who was getting old, and then Anibal Sanchez. Evaldi, too. Nate Evaldi. Not bad. This is our closer. It was... Let's see here. Um, Heath Bell. 590 RA. Nice. So, <laughs> 19 saves. That reminds me of that one 2015 Blue Jays season where they finished first in the AL East. And it was Russell Mo- Martin, Justin Smoke, Ryan Goins, Jose Reyes, Josh Donaldson. Joey Bats. Joey Bats, Edwin, uh, Troy Tulowitzki. And then um, their pitching was Mark Bueller, Marco Estrada, David Price, R.A. Dickey, Liam Hendricks. Um, Liam Hendricks was on that squad? Yeah. Wow. Mark, a young Marcus Stroman. No. God. Yeah. William Hendricks. I never would have guessed he was a Toronto guy. I must have forgot. And then you look at like similar years, like this team will always like the stretch of Tigers teams. Alex Avia, Prince Fielder, Omar Infante, Johnny Peralta, Miguel Cabrera, Delman Young. Delman Young. Oh, but their pitching was stupid. It was Verlander, Scherzer, Porcillo, Drew Smiley, um, Aviso Garcia, Don Kelly, Phil Coke. Wait, Avisail, how the fuck did he sneak in there? I know, right? Avisail Garcia is a right fielder. <laughs> no, what's his name? 
Is it not Hafezahil Garcia? He was on that team, but no, Annabelle Sanchez. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. He was on that team. Um, but then, yeah, the year after, they added Ian Kinsler, yeah. uh, J.D. Martinez, Tori Hunter, Victor Martinez, Rajay Davis, uh, James McCann, young James McCann, Max Scher, I mean, uh, Robbie Ray, they added. Joachim Soria. Yeah, Joachim Soria was kind of nice. Jabba, Ian Kroll. They had some ballers. They never did shit. Nope. Nick Castellanos at one point. Ioannis Cespedes. Crazy. Crazy. That's baseball. That's baseball. I think that's all we've got. Um, thanks to Tyler Moore for hopping on. We have uh, a, an excellent guest for you guys next week. Um, we sampled some of their product today without giving any spoilers. What'd you think? I was feeling it. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah, I was, I was definitely was. mellow. I was definitely mellow. Definitely mellow. You'll, you guys will understand more. Can we like do that? Is Spotify going to take that down? No. <laughs> like, like, oh, we're openly talking about ingesting uh, Delta Eight. Yeah. Whatever. I, they can't. We'll see with the Rogan rules. We'll, we'll print a copy of the Rogan rules and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and if it wasn't going to get taken down before, it most certainly is after I just said that. So uh, thanks. If you've made it this far and are still listening on Spotify, um, you we, we bypassed the Rogan rules. Excellent. Um, that is it for the show. Episode 93 is coming at you next week. Stay tuned for a drop of our awesome guest and some of the products we have. Thanks for listening. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy.